certainly appreciate Brother Darrell's prayer and would ask that you would continue to pray for me that the Lord would give not only me but each one of you the Spirit of God and would said if it, we freely ask that the Lord will give and we, we pray for that. Uh, you know, that song just said, This is my Father's world. And regardless of what's going on in our world, I want you to understand this, this is, belongs to God. You belong to God. Do you know that? If you're a child of God, you belong to him. He redeemed you and he paid for your sins with his precious blood. So we belong to him. This world is his. All that's made in the world is his. Uh, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And as long as there's two or three of us gathered in his name, he's promised to be in our midst. And we pray that he is today. In John chapter 4, it says, But the hour cometh, in verse 23, And now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, the idea of worship was brought forth not by men, but by God. He told us, in the Old Testament, under the old law service, he told them, the children of Israel, how they were to worship. He told them what was acceptable in their sight. He gave them commands. He gave them laws to follow. In the New Testament, we're now not under the law, but we're under grace. But that doesn't mean that all the teachings and commandments of God have been wiped away. You know, uh, I think so much about our love for God. Have you ever thought about, do you love God? Do you really love God? You know, the Bible gives us the litmus test. You can test yourself against the teachings of God's word. First John chapter 5 and verse 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. That just tells me right there, and that tells all of us, there's not a commandment that God has given us that we can't keep. Now, does that mean we keep them? No, for we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've been blessed as primitive Baptists to understand that salvation is by grace, by God's grace and God's grace alone. There have been people who have stated that primitive Baptists have been rocked to sleep in the cradle of grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. What shall we say to these things? Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid. God forbid. Matter of fact, we as God's people on the other side of the cross where we are today ought to be more inclined to worship, to rejoice, to praise God because we have an understanding that we can never keep the law. We can never perform enough good works to ever say, here, Lord, I've done it all. I've, I've made myself. I've... I've gotten straightened out and I'm acceptably ready for heaven. None of us can ever say that because none of us can ever find ourselves in that position. But thanks be to God which give us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. we got a hope of heaven. We're going to talk about that if the Lord would help us this morning about being confident in God, being encouraged in God. You know, it's easy to get depressed in this life. It's easy to get discouraged. And if there's ever been a year in the 62-plus years that I've lived upon the earth that 
we've underwent a lot of changes that have not really been beneficial, in my opinion, to us as a people. Uh, we've dealt for the last nine months with a virus. Some say the virus is really bad. Some say it's not really that bad. But regardless of how bad or, or, or not bad it is, uh, we've had difficulties. We've had rules. We've had laws or, or not really laws, not legislative laws, but we've had commands by those telling us what to do. Our lives have went through a lot of change is what I'm getting at. We've seen a lot of changes somewhat in the church. And the church in Texas has not underwent as many of the drastic changes as some churches. And it, we've had enough changes in, in Texas along not to, to, to like those things. We were told not to meet. That's the first time in my life. I spent 20 years not meeting with the Lord's people, but it wasn't because the government told us not to meet. You and I have very little understanding to what it was like to be a primitive Baptist in England. We don't. And sometimes I think our failure to understand what we've been delivered from has caused us to fall asleep or live in a state of apathy. You know, what you don't want to do is learn a lesson the hard way, and I've learned a lot of those in my life the hard way. <laughs> There's things that I've ought to done back when I was young that I didn't do. I did not recognize God in my life the way that I should have. I'm just being honest. I confess it before you and before the Lord. There were far more things important, mainly myself. Myself. You know, Paul told Timothy that in the last days, peerless times shall come. Well, I think we're in the last of the last days. As a matter of fact, I, I think the return of the Lord may be far closer than most of us might, might think. But regardless of whether it is or not, it says in those days, and those days have been since the Lord ascended and went back to sit and sat down at the right hand of the Father, it says they'll be peerless, which means dangerous and difficult. There's no doubt that we see a change in our country. We see conflicts and problems that more so this year than, than I've seen many years in my life. And as I speak today, we're only 11 days from ending the year of 2020, and the problems that persist have not went away. Matter of fact, it looks like they're going to carry on over into 2021, and, and where we end up, I don't know. God knoweth. That's the one thing that we can have confidence. God knows. Not only does he know us, he knows all the things that lie ahead. I want to encourage you to look unto God to have confidence in God, be encouraged in God, because God is our hope today, our hope tomorrow, and our hope forever. We're told in the 46th chapter of Isaiah, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's none else. I am God and there's none like me. Why would God have that verse written in the Bible when it says, remember, I'm God. There's no God like me. I'm God and there's, there's, there's none like me. There's none else. There's not another God that can compare to the one only true and living God. We're here today to worship God in spirit and truth, the, only, the one and only true and living God. The Bible speaks of a lot of gods. The number one God in the Bible is self. Did you know that? Little g, self. I quoted that verse a while ago. 
For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Great litmus test. You don't need another verse to, to determine whether or not how important God is to you in your life. If we keep his commandments, if we do what he calls upon us to do, it shows that we really love him. If we don't, we need to question our love toward God. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not beyond our ability to keep is what it says. We can keep his commandments. But we've got to love God more than we love ourselves. You know, it says over there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we done quoted one verse, this know also in the last days peerless times shall come. What's the first thing? He goes through a list of things that help us to identify the time. The Bible says that no man knoweth the hour or the day that the Lord will return. But the Bible does give us some indications. It does show us some things that will begin to happen. Read the list of those things. It talks about men having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. But the first thing it mentions says men shall be lovers of their own selves. Another litmus test. Do we love God more than we love ourselves? I'm going to tell you right now, most of us love ourselves a lot. Because we want what we want. We want to do what we want. And we don't, most of the time, we don't let God interfere with that. Or at least I don't. I'm more interested in doing what I want than I am doing what God would want me to do. You know, when I made a promise to try to worship the Lord... I made that promise probably not realizing the circumstances and the hindrances and the burdens that we might cross and face as life goes on. None of us knows what lies ahead, save the Lord. He knows. He knows what difficulties you're going to face. But he is God. He is our heavenly father. He's our great high priest. He's Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Remember, the former days are old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. God is sovereign. And friends, we can depend upon God when we can depend upon no one else, including ourselves. Really, it's hard to have confidence in yourself when you understand how weak we are. You know, Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, he says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Indeed, the spirit is willing, but the uh, flesh is weak. Friends, that, that's a real truth. Our flesh is weak. And there's a battle going on within the child of God that will never cease in this life. It will never cease. The flesh doesn't love God. The flesh doesn't desire God. The flesh talks us out of worshiping God. The flesh talks us out of assembling to be together with God's people. The flesh is a real hindrance to, to our, our walk here in this life. And the Lord made that clear. Paul teaches about it in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus speaks about it himself. It's real. It's something that we must look at as, as we go through life because we're going to cross lots of things, lots of highways, you might say, if I can use that word, lots of paths that we probably didn't expect to, to cross in our lifetime. Sometimes you go through circumstances in your life and you think nothing, nothing can ever compare to what I've had to go through. But friends, I'm here to tell you, if you live long enough, you'll be able to go through something just that bad, if not worse. You know, the longer you live, 
the more you see and the more of this old world becomes a hindrance to you and the more I believe we yearn for righteousness. We desire to be with the Lord. I know that I do. I, I, I heard Brother James Baker so often say, I look forward to see if the Lord will come back tomorrow. Well, I tell you, I'm getting that way myself. You know, I've been blessed to live on the earth, and I've been blessed with a lot of things, but I tell you, I yearn to see the return of Jesus Christ. I yearn for a day where righteousness prevails forever. Have you ever thought about that? I'm praying that righteousness will prevail today in the, in the conflicts that are going on in our, our nation and in this world. But there's coming a day that righteousness will prevail throughout all eternity. What a day that'll be. I mean, it's just, the older I get, the better it sounds. And I, I, it's just, maybe it's part of what wears us out and prepares us to depart from this old world. But our God is sovereign. And we can count on Him. We can count on Him. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter uh, 10. It says, uh, let us draw... Near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the, an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. God, <coughs> excuse me, is faithful. He will never break a promise. I tell you what, we think about God and, and what he's promised and God, what he's taught us. I mean, it, it's just... It's such a blessing. It ought to be an encouragement every day. And, and we need encouraged as, as we look back through 2020 and as we look forward into 2021 not knowing what may happen. You know, we, we may lose our religious freedom. I don't know. The Lord knows. There's a lot of states. In California, the Primitive Baptist churches have not met yet. I mean, the government of the certain states have clamped down on churches. We've had a little clamp down here, but it could get worse. I don't know. It's been worse throughout the history of the world a lot. But our God is in control. Regardless of how difficult our, the times may become or are, God sits upon His throne in glory. He sits on His throne in glory. He rules and reigns in heaven and in earth. And we can count upon the Lord. We can go to the Lord. We can understand that there is none that's subject unto him. We're told in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are imputed as nothing. In the sight of this one, the only uh, true and living God, we are nothing. We're nothing but flesh. He created us. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and there's none that can stay his hand. Are saying to him, what doest thou? This is the God we serve. He's omnipotent in power. He has all power in heaven and earth. You know, why wouldn't we call upon his name in prayer continuously? Because he has all power. He is the only one that's able to answer your prayer. You can't fulfill your own prayer request. I can't fulfill your prayer request. And any other man that declares he can is lying. There's one who can answer your prayers prayers, either the way you want and maybe some, a lot of times, maybe not the way we want and it's the God of heaven, our heavenly Father. He is the only one that can answer those prayers. He's omnipotent. All the power that's in earth and heaven <coughs> are subject 
to our Heavenly Father. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. What strength and power that you have was given to you by God, and it's subject unto God. That ought to give us confidence to go to the Lord, knowing that he give you the power and the strength that you have. He rules and reigns in the universe. This is my Father's world. We sang that song, it is. And everything in it is his, including you and I, and the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the air. All these things, the stars in the heaven he created. God has all power. You know, I've heard people say over in Genesis chapter 1 when we read about the creation, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> they begin to say, well, that one day over there was 100,000 years. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the morning and the evening was the first day. You know why people declare that it was 100,000 years or 10,000 years or whatever number? Because they outright deny the power of Almighty God. He's omnipotent. There is nothing that God cannot do. Psalms 33 says he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He is the great creator. He said, let there be light and there was light in verse 3. It was not a process. They didn't sit around and wait for 100,000 years for light to shine out of darkness. God spoke and it was done. In the new creation, you and I are considered to be new creations if we're children of God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's no man that can create anything. Somebody might say, well, Brother Kenny, there, I've seen something created out here. No, men have been given the ability and the gift to make things out of the substances in this earth that God created. To create something is to bring something out of nothing. Aren't you thankful that you were looked upon as a child of God as nothing and God created in you a new heart? A heart to love him, a heart to design, design. He spoke and it was done. We believe in immediate regeneration. That's the omnipotent power of almighty God. He has all power in heaven and earth. We read about the knowledge of God and this is so important to me at it says back over there in Isaiah 46, it says declaring, in verse 11, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that have not yet been done. Do you realize that God knows all things? He knows how many hairs are on your head. And most of us that have any age, are, we don't have as many hairs on our head as we once did, but he still knows that number, whatever that number is. Let's notice in... <coughs> Psalms 139, it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou hast known, thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God knows what you think. I, I, I really think sometimes we don't realize what the Lord knows. I, I, I was thinking this morning, I thought, how would life be if you could see Jesus Christ visibly every day? When you walked away around your house, when you walked into this building, do you know that's how it is? Except you can't see him. 
He's everywhere present, nowhere absent. He knows what you think. He knows where you are. Would it make a difference in how you act if you visibly saw him, even if he didn't speak, if you could just look over to your right or over to your left and there was Jesus by you all the time and you saw him with your own eyes? Would it make a difference in how you deal with life, in the things you do in this life, the things you say in this life? Would it make a difference? I think it would make a big difference. problem is he is there even if you can't see him. He's there right by your side. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, that he may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Verse 4 says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Do you know God knows what you think? Not only does he know your thoughts afar off, he has all knowledge. He knows your thoughts afar off before you even think them or speak them. You know, you may be fooling me, and you may be fooling your wife, and you may be fooling everybody in the congregation or everybody at work, but you're never fooling the Lord. He knows what your thoughts are. He knows the words, the very words on the tip of your tongue. To me, that's, that's an amazing thing, and that ought to be a, a, something that influences our behavior and our activity in life. It ought to to me. I said I thought a lot about that. I thought, you know, Jesus is really there. You remember over in the Old Testament in 1 Kings around chapter 19 when Elisha and this young man were going to battle and the city was surrounded by the enemy, the visible enemy. And Elisha told the young man, he says, there'll be more with us than with them. I can imagine what the young man thought. Are you crazy? There's a whole army surrounding this town, and it's just me and you. And then God, then Elisha prayed to God and said, Lord, open the young man's eyes. And he seen the chariots of fire and the angels in the hills. Friends, that's how Jesus Christ is, because you can't see him with the naked eye. When you sit down at the table, he sits down with you. When you get up and walk around, he walks around with you. It, it, sometimes I think we fail to realize that Jesus is everywhere. You know, you read that poem, you know, when there was one set of footprints and there was two set of footprints. I actually believe there's a lot of truth to that in life. When the struggles of life are so difficult that we can't bear them, the Lord carries us. Carries us through those problems. This is the God that can encourage you today in the midst of, of some very difficult times, it may get far more difficult than we know. That's why I'm so thankful for the freedom and liberty today. Even though we're fewer in number than we used to be, we're still blessed to be able to get up in the morning and come to the house of the Lord. That's a blessing that we've taken for granted so long that I don't know what folks are going to think if that's not permitted. If the law tells us that we can't assemble, if we can't worship, because I've never known anything different. But I want you to be warned, it could happen. But God is still on his throne. If it pleases God not to let that happen, it won't happen. You know, he does according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth, and there is none that can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? He has all knowledge. 
God is omnipresent. We just spoke of that a little bit. Notice what it says here uh, in verse 7 of Psalms 139. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I free from thy presence? You know, you can run from the Lord. You can hide in the cave. You can get in the darkest place there ever was. You can't get away from God. He knows what you're doing and knows what you're thinking. He says, if I ascend into up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell below, thou art there. You can go into a cave and roll a boulder across it where it's as dark as darkness can ever get. Lord declares he's there just as he is in the heavens. If I take up the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Doesn't matter where you are, you can't get away from the Lord. And that goes for all of us, not just the preachers. God knows where all his people are. Notice verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as day. The darkness and the light are both a light to thee. You can't <clears throat> go and hide in the dark, you know. That's the natural thing of people, is it not? Uh, even as kids play hide and seek, but all of us, it, it seems as though we can do things in the dark of the night that we wouldn't do in the light of day. But God sees darkness has no effect upon the Lord. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're thinking. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He's always there. And friends, we need to pray that prayer because I think it's going to be very much needed as we continue to go through life. We need to realize his presence and we need his strength as we faith un uncertain times. We can be confident in God. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord each and every day that we live. You might say, well, how am I going to encourage myself? I want to go back and, and just look at two or three things that I think are Extremely important before I close this morning. And one of the greatest attributes of Almighty God that gives us the greatest hope in life is we serve a God who never changes. Have you ever thought about that? Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Do you know that we're not destroyed because of the great sins that we commit? Because our God never changes. He's faithful. He made promises unto Moses, unto Abraham. God is a faithful, faithful keeper of his promises. We're told in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, In hope of eternal life, which God <coughs> that cannot lie promised before the world began. We're not going to have eternal life because we straightened our act up. I know it's pretty bad as we believe in grace. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. But friends, I'm here to tell you because we understand grace, we ought to worship the Lord. It ought to be the greatest desire and the greatest motivator in our life to worship in the house of the Lord and to thank upon God every day of our lives because of what he's done for us, because he's given us the hope of eternal life. He's promised 13th chapter of Hebrews and 8th verse says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord has never changed. That means his view of sin has never changed, but it means his promises 
will never go away. How many promises have you made in life? Maybe to God, maybe to other folks. You know, how many promises have you broken in your life? Have you ever broke a promise in your life to anyone? Has anyone ever stood before a congregation and went through a marriage ceremony and somewhere down the line that marriage ended? Was there any promises made to God? Sure there was. How often do we not keep those promises? How often do we not keep promises to our children, our friends, our neighbors? But we have a God in heaven that will never break a promise that he ever made. If he did, it'd be no different than you and I. Aren't you thankful that God's promises will come to pass? Do you know that there are men who tell us that God's not coming back? But I tell you, by faith, we believe it. The Bible teaches it. There's coming a day when Jesus will once again descend from heaven with the shout of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise. I'm telling you, that's a promise that you can take to the bank. That's going to happen. Those you loved who went on a long time ago, their bodies are going to come out of those graves and they're going to meet up with the, their, the spirit and soul. We're going to meet with Jesus in there and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a promise that you can count on. You know, some people say, well, this whole world's so bad. Well, it may get a lot worse. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, when you look at the promises that God made, when he said he'd never leave you nor forsake you, when he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to gather you up, he says in, in the 14th chapter of John, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He prepared it at the cross of Calvary. And he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you will be also. That's a promise that you can count on. No matter how difficult this past year is, and, or how difficult next year may be become, be encouraged in the Lord. He's coming back. This that is crooked is going to be made straight one day, not in this life, but it's going to be, the Lord's going to make things right. He's going to do it. That's a promise that we can count on. Because he changes not. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, Wherein God will in more abundantly show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, unchangeableness of his counsel. I tell you, it's, to me, it's the most, it's the greatest attribute of Almighty God is the fact that God has never changed. And I want you to think about something. When you go to heaven, I don't know how old you'll be. I don't know what you'll look like. You, you may turn into the prettiest person there ever was. If you don't think you're the prettiest person there is now, I don't know. But however you are, you're never going to change. And how you feel is never going to change. You're not going to wake up one morning in a bad mood. You're not going to wake up and say, I don't want to do this. You're going to be filled with joy and peace. Because the problem we have in this life is sin, and it won't be in heaven. It won't be in heaven. It's the, what troubles us all the days of our life, that by two immutable things, God's counsel and God's oath in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation or comfort. 
who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. That hope that was set before us was the Lord Jesus Christ. When he gave up the ghost in John 19, he said it was finished. Friends, I'm here to tell you it's finished. And whether we've walked the way that we ought to walk, whether we behave the way that we ought to behave, I'll tell you, we got one we can count on, and that's Jesus Christ. We can be encouraged in every day. And when the times get tough, you can look unto Jesus, and you can know that one day it's going to be like lightning in the east. The entire sky is going to light up, and we're all going to see him when he comes. When he comes in the clouds, we're going to see the Lord. And every knee, not just the children of God, every knee is going to bow to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That day's coming. It's promised in God's word. It goes on and say, Which hope we have is the anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. Friends, no matter how tight, tough times might get, I don't know, but I'm, a, I'm like Brother Michael Goins. He said those that see the glass is half full or, or you know, they are uh, positive. Those that see them at half at, uh, empty is is negative, but he says those that just see water in the glass is a realist. I, I try to be a realist. I don't know what lies ahead, but I do know that God's people had suffered far greater than we have, and that could come to pass again. We need to be strong in the faith. We need to look unto God. We need to be encouraged in God and His promises. The promise that we have is the anchor of our soul. That I know. No matter what happens in life, no matter how much the church declines, no matter how many of our children or our friends or our neighbors no longer gather together with the Lord's people, I'm still encouraged in the Lord. I am because His promises will never fail. One day we're going to gather around the throne of God in heaven and we're going to worship and praise Him forever. Forever. It's hard for us to gather for one hour here in this life. But we're going to do it through all eternity in heaven. You may say, well, how... how How's that going to be? I don't know. David said, when I awaken thy likeness, I'll be satisfied. You're going to be satisfied, and you're going to be happy. You're going to have peace like you've never known. <coughs> that day is coming. It is the anchor of our soul. Hope given to you when you were born again of the Spirit of God. Our God cares. Look at one more and close. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says... We're to cast, casting all thy care upon him, for he careth for you. Did you notice that Peter said, cast all your cares and concerns upon him? Not just some of them. We all have a lot of concerns and a lot of cares. Casting all thy cares upon him, for he careth for you. God cares for you. You mean something to him. He died for you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, God's children, regardless of how we're living in life, us sinners, us bankrupt, wretched sinners, are described as the joy that was set before him. Often wonder, is Jesus Christ the joy that's set before us? He ought to be. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
That gives us great encouragement that the work of salvation was finished because the high priest in the Old Testament never sat down because the work was year in and year out. It was nothing more than a remembrance of sins. He stood up and he done it over and over and over when Jesus came. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ paid it all, paid for all your sins, past, present, future. Laying, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. God really cares for you. You know, God is not an emotional being in the sense that we are. But to believe that God doesn't have any type of feelings or doesn't have a concern for our feelings could not be right. Furthest thing from right. You remember when Lazarus died and he delayed going to Lazarus' tomb for three or four days and he came to Lazarus' sisters and and Mary said, Lord, if thou had been here, our brother would not have died. He said, the shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept. Do you think he had any feelings for those that were mourning the loss of their brother? Do you think when you mourn the loss of somebody you loved in life that Jesus didn't mourn with you? He knows our feelings. Seeing then that we have a high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. We have a great high priest that's passed in the heavens. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That word infirmities means feebleness of mind or body. You know, I find it interesting just in the last ten months or nine and a half months, you know, there's people that have died from this virus. There's people that's got sick from this virus. But the stress that's been brought forth is enormous. Suicide rates are up or terrible. I was just reading the deal. In some states, they've not allowed the children to go back to school. And it talked in this article about how traumatizing and difficult this was for these children staying at home. Most of them are probably not being taught. They're in, the, they're in a completely new environment. They're not with their friends. And you might think, well, what difference does that make? It makes a difference. Life has been interrupted. That's what's, that's what's happened to us. The things have changed in this last year, and our lives have been interrupted in a way that they hadn't been, at least in my experience, in all the past years that I lived. There's lots of problems out there. There are lots of real problems, and lots of them are not the physicalness of the virus. They're the mental problems that, that have come along with all the things that are happening, the struggles mentally. Uh, just staying in the house for a couple of months was a, a struggle for you and I who had had all the freedom and liberty to come and go as we'd always pleased. So I'm here to tell you, Jesus knows the feelings of our infirmities. We have a high priest, a great high priest, Jesus, who's passed into the heavens. We can have confidence that he knows where we're at. We can be encouraged that he is the one who will give us strength to go on no matter how difficult it may become. And I hope and pray that God has mercy and it doesn't happen that way, but he could. Like I said, I'm a realist. I know that that's a possibility. And I'll assure you there's only one that we can trust with all our heart, and that's Jesus Christ. Why? Because he never changes. His promises will never fail. Why? Because he'll always be there for you. You may not see him with the naked eye, but he's always there. 
Go to the 17th chapter of Acts, and it says he, he, it talks about us turning from him, but he's never far off. He's always there. Hopefully he's sitting here in this chair. We can't see him, but we believe he's there because the word of God teaches us that he is there. He knows our thoughts are far off. He knows the burdens that we carry. He knows the pains that we have, whether they be bodily pains or mental pains, spiritual pains. We have them. And we can look unto Jesus. We can be encouraged going into next year that one day he's coming back. Regardless of what we may suffer or may not, or our children, Jesus is coming back. And he's going to gather up his people and carry them home to be in heaven with him. That's a promise you can take to the bank. And that's a promise that can help you, the anchor of your soul, that hope, that will help you keep on keeping on regardless of what we undergo. May God bless us to not lose focus of Jesus that's another thing as I close. It's so easy in this world with all the struggles and all the things and especially with all the news outlets and all the noise out there that we have in this day and age, it's easy to lose focus. God is on his throne. His promises are true. He declared the end from the beginning. There's coming a day and an hour right down to the second that Jesus Christ is returning and we can count on that. And because of that promise, we have the strength to go on regardless of the circumstances. And may God bless us to not lose our focus, but to always look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.